bringing you the stories of athletes, celebrities, and everyday Christians doing extraordinary things. It's time for The Walk with Frito and Shivers. All right. Well, Mark, this morning we got a, uh, a good buddy of mine and uh, a more recent friend of yours, Roy Reese, is with us in the studio today. Good morning. Hey, Roy. Good morning. Roy lives around the corner from me and uh, is a longtime uh, Preston Wood guy and uh, grew up a little bit in West Texas and then migrated to the Dallas-Fort Worth area where he went to Allen High School and then graduated from SMU. So he's a fellow pony. Um, as you guys know, I'm a pony as well, so I love having a fellow pony in studio. Roy, tell us a little bit about uh, just your upbringing and um, your fa- family, your faith, and kind of what drives you today. Definitely. So born in Midland, Texas. God's country, raised in Odessa, Odessa Permian Panthers, where some mojo, mojo, black and white, where Friday Night Lights, Friday Night Lights, Ratliff Stadium, where it all happened. And as a boy, you grow up and you dream about one thing, and that's to put on that black and white uniform with the P on the side of the helmet and go play. And uh, it's funny, you really don't have dreams past that. I mean, when I was in elementary school, I didn't dream of being a, a banker, a lawyer, a doctor. I played. I dreamed about playing for the Permian Panthers. And the sad thing is, my parents moved away when I was in the sixth grade. But the but the you know it's funny how God works. My first varsity football game, I was playing for the Allen Eagles, uh, yep. another powerhouse football team. And some people think that was by luck. I just think that was by God's grace that I would go from Odessa Permian to Allen, and. Uh, my first varsity football game was actually playing against Odessa Permian at Ratliff Stadium as a junior. Nice. When I was playing. How about that? Yeah. Full great. circle. Full circle. Full circle. So I've got all my friends there. I'm reading in the paper. And I've got uh, Roy Williams on the front cover of Dave Campbell's high school football that summer. And I know it's our second game in. And we're going to have the matchup of Roy Williams against Roy Reese, except the only problem was I was a 5'6 corner that couldn't run. <laughs> <laughs> and Roy Williams was a 6'4 um, flash in the night that would just, yeah. That's right. A great for Texas, a great a great one for the Lions, then on to the Cowboys. Yeah, Cowboy uh, great. And so none of my friends from Allen made the trip, but the the funny thing that happens was that Roy Williams sprains his ankle and doesn't play. And we actually go out there and beat Odessa Permian. I remember coming back and people asking me, and I was the backup corner, but the first string corner wasn't going to make it because we all know that Roy Williams was going to burn him three times and then they were going to just try something else. So yeah. Yeah. We, we go in, we beat them. It was a big win. You remember the score of that game? Golly, I want to say it was like 28-7. to 7. So we got them pretty good. We it got wasn't them pretty like good. you snuck it out in yeah. the fourth quarter. It was a nip and tuck, back no. and forth battle. No. And so things went full circle. So we, we beat we beat Odessa Permian, um, which was kind of neat, right? Growing up a kid there, growing up as a young kid there, and dreaming about playing there, and to actually suit up and play my first varsity football game there, just being on an opposing team was pretty neat. Um, but you know, God God's worked in in my life in mysterious ways, and I was raised in the church and. And uh, I've got great parents that, um, you know, if I had a drug problem, it was it was not the drugs that other people talk about. It was getting drugged to church, which was a great thing. But when I got to uh, SMU, um, I wasn't playing sports anymore. I wasn't doing anything. And, and I was really probably more than anything just looking for some direction in my life. Um, and, you know, 
I met a guy named John Roush. John Roush is one of the greatest Christian men I've ever met, and he walked up to me and he decided he wasn't going to be in a fraternity, but he was going to start a Bible study. So he's just a guy just in a, the dorms. So just that's a regular guy in the dorms. And I was He's a, not like a campus ministry no, guy or some church dude. No, he's just this guy from Fort Smith, Arkansas. Right. Who got a burden? I don't for even a know Bible where study. I don't even know where Fort Smith, Arkansas is. <laughs> we used to have arguments over who what was God's country. He thought it was Arkansas. I thought it was West Texas. I, I still after being Arkansas, I think he may be right. It's nothing but flat land yeah. in West Texas. But and uh, we started going through a Bible study, and we just started studying about what the Bible says and what's our role as Christians. And um, it was amazing how God worked in my life. And so uh, to rewind a little bit, I was actually a sophomore. He was a freshman. I actually went to junior college my freshman year. So that freshman year, you know, I'm at home. My friends are, at a, are away. And, uh, and then here I go to SMU thinking I'm probably going to go live the regular college life, and I do just the exact complete opposite. Right, yeah. college life in Dallas is not joining a Bible study your first couple of months on campus, um, but it was something that I just felt called to do. Right, I, I can't explain it. He asked me to go. It was almost kind of crazy that he just walked up to me. He barely knew me. We're out right, in the library right. there in the uh, Laura Bush Garden where the flowers are that uh, before the Bush Library. And I remember him just saying, "Hey, man, I'm starting a Bible study on Thursdays at two o'clock. You want to come?" And I remember. Um, you know, yeah, it was just like, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. And long story short, we, we had a group of guys. We had two twins named Parker and Whitney Mears, great twin brothers out of uh, out of Houston, my buddy John Roush, and then a, a college minister from First Baptist Dallas named Mark Ramsey. And we would just meet, and we would study the Bible, and we would go through the Bible chapter by chapter, and we'd go through different books. And I just remember God working in my life at that time. And, um, you know, so you're a young man in college. You had grown up in the church. I'm assuming you had come to a point in your life as a younger boy where you had accepted and believed in the Jesus, but like this was a moment where, you know, a defining moment in your faith, if you will? A- absolutely. You know, I was, I knew when I was 12 years old um, what it meant and accepted Christ. Um, in fact, I was baptized January the 20th, 1994, which is Super Bowl Sunday. I think we need to check the date, but I just remember it was Super Bowl Sunday. It was the date that the 49ers beat the 49ers, Chargers, yeah. Right? The yeah. Chargers, yeah, yeah. Steve Young. Yeah. I mean, it was a huge game that night. I remember exactly where I was when that happened. Where yeah. were you, Frito? I was at a radio station. I was at a KLIF radio, and I was watching the game in the break room because I was running the board that night. And huh. I was miserable that I had to be in a break room watching that game on a little 19-inch color TV <laughs> that was above a Coke machine in the break room. <laughs> Yeah, I was a senior actually at us at SMU. Hearing you say all that stuff, I was January '94. That was my senior year at SMU. Watching that with a bunch of guys back there on campus. So you weren't on the road playing? No, we were home for some reason. Super Bowl Sunday. We didn't the college basketball schedules, and that was actually during my redshirt year because I'd blown up my knee, and uh, I was out '93-'94. I didn't come back till that next fall to play. So you were baptized. Was that at Prestonwood or where were you baptized? So I was baptized at Hunter's Glen Baptist Church. Okay. And, and so, you were, what'd you say, 12? I was 12. It was 12. Yeah. It, was my, it was my, talk about transitioning, it was my first year um, moving from, from Odessa, right? Yeah. And you know, it's funny, you look at how 
transitions in your life happens, right? I mean, so so many times we want comfort, right? And I think God cares so much more about our commitment than our comfort. And if I look at times in my life that I've drawn near to God, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it talks about abide in me and I'll abide in you. Um, It's been in transitional times. And and when I say transitional times, what I should really say is tough times, right? Yeah. It's it's coming into a new area. It's coming into a new, you know, maybe a new role with a company or whatever you're doing. God puts tough things in your life, I think. Um, and it just draws you closer to him. You know, James 1, anyone that asks me, James 1's my favorite verse, right? I mean, why do you have troubles? To, to grow you, to mature you, so you can become strong. Yeah, mature and complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Um, and, you know, when you, when you seek God and you're, and you're in his word, it's amazing when you just look at, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And you look at love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control. Right, you know. Let's now let's flip it on the opposite. Okay, what's the opposite of love, joy, peace, self control? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think he yeah. knows what those are. It's hate. It's probably anxiety. It's nervousness. It's pridefulness. Yeah. It's not self control. And so, you know, when I look at my life, in your transitioning, right? Whether it was sixth grade at twelve years old, right? And it's like, well, hey, you were just a little kid. Well, it was a big thing to me at that time. Yeah, big, moving big, from high school, junior high, to yeah, co- yeah, junior yeah, college to yeah, it's a big move. Yeah. yeah, you're moving around, right? And so, I it's I've always found that going through transitional times, um, even though they're good, they're good things. I'm at a great college. I'm doing great things. Uh, that God has used transitional times in my life to draw me closer to Him, and. Um, you know, even if you look at this past year in my life, and this year's this year's been another just growing year in my life at 34 years old. It's yeah, I was amazing. about to ask you what those tough transitional times have been since you and Jessica have been married, having a couple of kids. Yeah, so, there's a whole lot more. Yeah, to mar- mar- married. You know, married now 10 years, have two great daughters, a four and a half year old and a two year old, and you know, just life with two kids trying to work, trying to make everything happen. And what happens is, I think, is men, um, we try to put the weight of the world on our shoulders, mm-hmm. and we try to make things happen, because why? That's what society calls us to do, right? We're, we're trying to push, push, push. And what's what's Jesus saying? Like, basically laid at his feet, right? Yeah. Surrender. Bring and, me, yeah, your and so burdens my, and lay them my, down. My word that... I've just been meditating on and, and and is abide, and the other word would be surrender, right? So just abide in Him. So like, what does that mean to abide in Him? Well, for me, that means getting in the Word, reading my Bible. That means praying. That means when I say praying, not just, you know, the prayer at the dinner table or right before I fall asleep, God, just bless mom and dad and Jessica and the girls. And, yeah, yeah. And I, no, it's... It's continual prayer, continual walking with Him. Um, That's it's good. A, it's amazing when you just surrender it all to Him, how the, the weight of the world comes off your shoulders and you feel light. It's also amazing how hard it is when you when you watch other people, how hard it is for them to surrender. When, mm-hmm. when you know how, how easy it is and how it makes life so much easier yeah. to, to live that way, and then you see other people struggling with it that just they can't seem to surrender. Yeah. 
When you t- you've had uh, talking about transition and tough times over the last year, leaving ESPN and just some different changes in your life personally. Talk about that. You know what, Frida. though, and it's really because people will say that to me, and people yeah. like, you know, like my Bible class will say that. Yeah, I don't look. This was not a hard transition for me, and it's been really. Um, it, it's been great. First of all, um, you yeah, know, I've, I've never been happier. I'm yeah. doing anything, and I was in sports talk radio, which is a great, great profession. I mean, that's a, an incredibly fantastic job to have. Right, um, incredibly blessed. It. For how many years did you do that? I was in radio for twenty three, twenty four years. Wow! And I would not go back now. Hmm. I just, I just wouldn't go back. So this has not. I mean, a lot of people look at it and say, "Man, what a hard transition that is to lose the dream job." Well, I, I lost. Yeah, I left a dream. I mean, I don't even so. I don't even want to say I lost it. I yeah. mean, I left a dream job. Yeah, and I'm doing something that I enjoy a whole lot more now, a which I didn't better. think would happen. You know, when all those years in radio, Roy, yeah. everyone in radio, you're very paranoid because you know it's going to end at some point. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like being a, a football coach. Yeah, is you know, or a quarterback. As, as soon as you get hired, the clock starts ticking. You're That's going right. to get fired at some point. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna lose that job. In radio, it's the same way. And so all those years in radio, there was never one day that I walked in that I didn't think, okay, this could be the last day the station's going to switch formats to Hispanic or something like that or or turn into the Disney Channel. I'm going to be out of work. And everyone in radio is like that. No matter how successful you are, that's how you feel. And so I knew, okay, one of these days I'm going to have to get a job that that I don't necessarily want. You know, I'm going to have to get a real job. Yeah. And I've been very fortunate to be able to continue doing exactly what I want to do. So, so that transition has not been a tough transition. And it seems to me you're talking about transitions. Now, I don't have that many. I don't have kids, so my transitions in life are a little, a little bit more limited. Mm-hmm. But every transition I've had, if you know, you call them transitions, has been a very positive experience. Yeah, I got. So I've been very fortunate good. that way. Yeah. Well, and to your point, you're think about it. You're for 23 years, you're burdened by, hey, is today the day? Today, yeah, that you, sounds t- like t- a t- miserable t- way for... Like today, you didn't wake up just like a coach, right? Like, it's almost like why these coaches... I mean, I've got great friends that are coaches and some of that have gotten, gotten out of the profession. And you all work 100 to 120 hours a week, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Always stressed out, mm-hmm. always worked up mm-hmm. because you love it. But at the same token... Boy, I tell you what, that's a tough way to live. That's tough on your body. That's tough on your families. And that's where the challenge, I think, is. Well, you bring up a real good point because I think this is a difference between people. A lot of people, that would be a burden. And you're yeah. absolutely right. Um, but the way I looked at it was, hey, I'm just fortunate to be here today. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, going, I'm going to appreciate what I have today. And on the few days that I didn't want to go in, I would force myself instead because at the radio stations, the last one I worked at especially, there were two distinct parts of the building. There was the programming part, and then there was the administrative administrative and the sales part. And I could walk into that building, and I could walk straight to the studio through programming and never have to see anyone sitting in a cubicle. Okay, Administration, but on, sales side. On, on the yeah. days that I was thinking, you know, I'll be driving in, I'll be stuck in traffic and thinking, man, I really wish I didn't have to do this today. I would purposely walk in the entrance where I would walk through the cubicle area and see all the people sitting in the cubicles and thinking, man, I'm so glad I don't have see to do that See how fortunate right you are. <laughs> yeah, and I think... It's perspective. It is. It's perspective. How do you approach it? How do you see it? Uh, Mark talking about, I've got today, and so I'm going to take this day that the Lord has given me, and I'm going to... 
use this opportunity uh, to make the most of of what he's what he's given, what he's entrusted, the place that he's um, he's got me today. I love well both of your perspectives are are fantastic, but I mean just the the transitional times in life. I think that's a great word for all of our listeners, Roy. That in those seasons when when God closes a chapter, when He moves you from one place of service, uh, as Mark mentioned, vocationally, though it may not be exactly how you would have scripted it, and it may be somewhat humbling, because you wouldn't, as you and I've talked and we've shared over the years, it, you wouldn't have chosen that path, but it's like God redirected the path in order to get you to this place where it's an even greater joy. Well, He's starting on greater me. Opportunity. He's starting on me a few years ago. Yeah, I've told you this. David. Yeah, for sure. You know, I was sitting in a Ranger game with Scott Seal, mm-hmm. and yeah. and Scott asked me about my contract situation at the at the station, and I told him I said, "That was you really know, nice of him." Yeah, well, not the Rangers game. <laughs> and that's I, what friends do. That's Roy. what friends do. And I told him I said, "You know what? I don't think I'm going to sign another contract." I said, "They have a year option on me here, but after that, I don't think." And he he was shocked. Yeah. And I said, "You know." He said, why wouldn't you want to continue doing this? And I said, because I feel like what I'm doing is a little bit insignificant compared to like what you guys are doing. You guys are out changing lives, and I'm just in here talking sports. So so it's really interesting. Yeah. So I, I basically got to be a free agent a year earlier than I – you yeah. said it wasn't, it wasn't the way I scripted it. Mm-hmm. But God, I, God started planting those seeds. And here's the thing. If I could have scripted it, especially knowing what I know now, yeah. that's exactly the way I would have scripted it. Yeah, looking um, back on it, God's way was even yeah. better than anything you could have dreamed up. Would you say that's been true in your life too, Roy? Absolutely. You know, I remember being on a mission trip about five years ago. We were going down the Amazon River, and there was a young couple there, and they brought their uh, young kids with them. They were probably the youngest kids to ever go down the Amazon River. And I remember the mom just saying, "Wow, the safest place you'll ever be is in God's will. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow. And it's one thing to hear that in like a sermon at a church Absolutely. or in a Bible fellowship class, but when you're on the Amazon on a boat with little kids. Yeah, I've flown, I don't know how many hours. I've been on a boat for I don't know how many hours. I'm eating, you know, beans and rice, yeah. and we don't know where we are. You know, it's not like if we get in a problem, you know, we have a situation, I can just call 911. No. You know, uh-uh. You're only person that's going to take care of you. Trusting in God. Is trusting in God. And, you know, I was listening this morning to Greg Laurie coming in. And, uh, you know, Greg Laurie was talking about faith, right? And faith is like a muscle. I remember, you know, he was saying faith is like a muscle. You either use it or you lose it. Mm. And so how am I using my faith muscle, right? Am I worrying or am I saying, God, I surrender to you today. I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to seek you today. I'm going to let you just take care of today because what's the Bible say that tomorrow, David, you're the pastor. What's, what's tomorrow have? Yeah. Uh, tomorrow is it, enough worries of its own. Of its own? That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Don't worry so, about tomorrow. I've got to tell myself that exercise faith. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next year. Don't worry about your contract coming up a year from now. And it's funny to your point, how God scripts things. I mean, God is the, God is the greatest author mm-hmm. there, there is. He's got we he's given us today and he's got all of our tomorrows. You know, it's interesting it's just extraordinary how God brings us together for moments like this and we're on this podcast and we're sharing things that God's put in our hearts in a different past we're sharing things that God's put on our heart at different points and different seasons and chapters in our in our lives. But I've really been thinking and, and, and talking a lot and looking uh, in the scriptures about 
faith specifically. And then for you to bring that up this morning, there are two verses that I think will really have really encouraged me that I think people uh, need to be reminded of, if not daily, regularly, that Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of that which we do not see. And and you guys can't see as I'm speaking these words, but, I, but I'm, I'm looking at, at, at Roy and I'm looking at Mark and I'm looking in their eyes and I'm thinking about the things that we see physically, the things that are tangible here, that we can control all of those things, but faith is being sure and being certain of what we hope for and what we cannot see. And then a couple of verses later, in verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11, the author of Hebrews says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him, that's you and I as believers, as followers, as children of God, anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so the challenge that's been facing me, and I think all men, and women, and children, and boys, and girls at every stage and season of life is when those times of transition, when difficulty comes, when we hit a bump in the road, are we going to exercise faith? Are we going to use that faith muscle that Pastor Lori was mentioning about and, and, and believe and trust that though we don't know what's ahead of us, though we don't know what's in the pattern, in the path ahead of us, we know that our God is there and that our God has scripted it, as Mark said, way better than Mark could have ever scripted this season, this chapter of his life. And and we can just we can trust him. Well, you know, when you when you go back to my situation, mm-hmm. and you guys are really doing me good here. This guy counseling session here for me, but it's if, counseling for all of us. If Mark. it had played out the way I had it scripted out, and, and part of the reason I had it scripted out was there's no way that you know they weren't going to pick up that option on, on my contract. And it, so, in the way it worked out, Roy was um, the company I work for, Cumulus, who I don't know how they're not bankrupt right now. And I don't know how they haven't filed bankruptcy yet, mm-hmm. um, but they were going through a real rough time, and they needed to get out from every contract they could get out from under because they're trying to refinance debt literally the month after um, my option was up. So they called me in and said, hey, this has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with accounting because we need to clear off everything we can because Cumulus is trying to refinance their debt. And so the way it played out for me, the timing mm-hmm. was perfect because what I'm doing right now a year from now, there's going to be a lot more people doing. This is the future. Um, this, right. The podcast and digital media, it is the future. It's just a matter of when, not mm-hmm. if. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so these things, were you listening to Greg Laurie on a podcast or were you listening on the radio today? Podcast. Yeah. So so a year from now, yep. if I'd played out my contract and just not renewed. You'd be behind the curve. I'd be a little bit behind the curve. There'd be a lot more people trying to do this. Yeah. And it'd be harder for me to get into it. Yep. I've now partnered with a company called Vocal, which is a startup company that a year down the road, yep. I wouldn't have a chance to do that. So, I mean, the script played God's out timing. perfectly. Mm-hmm. And a problem that I may have, this is where the counseling comes. You may need to help me with this, David. <laughs> is... I don't see any speed bumps anymore. I don't see any obstacles. Whenever, you know, what other people would see as an obstacle. Yeah. I mean, I kind of look at it as an opportunity. Okay. I know there's going to be something that's a good better for me on the other side because that's the way it's worked out. Mm-hmm. And there may be a day where I hit a speed bump that is a real speed bump and I just don't recognize it. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, and I, I kind of worry about that. Well, to your point, you've looked back and you realize that God's always worked through it. So, you know, it's you ever listen to Hillsong Oceans? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite songs. Yeah, you've what are the song. lines? You've always been there. 
and you won't stop now. And you won't stop now. You know, and he's I, the same yesterday, today, today, and tomorrow. tomorrow. Hebrews thirteen eight. Yeah. And so, to your point, I mean, surrender it, Lord. Hey, I've got this issue, but hey, you know what? You've always been there, and you won't stop now. I mean, that song just rings in my head every time I'm going through a situation. Okay. Yeah. To your point, it's a speed bump. It's not a roadblock. And there's yeah. a big difference. And a lot of times we think speed bumps are roadblocks. And, we, you know, we forget that we've got a Mack truck and God behind us that can, it's nothing to him. It's to all a matter of perspective. It's all a matter sure. of perspective. I mean, what's a roadblock? That, in your, the way you stated that, it sounded like it was another degree or, or, or another level of a problem. But like you just said, if you've got a Mack truck, what's a roadblock? He's just going right nothing. through it. Well, you know, and I'm so possibly, for lack of a better word, clueless, that this studio could be on fire right now, and I'd find something positive. I'd be like, well, you know what? Yeah. I needed a bigger place anyway. Or <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think that's evidence of God's Spirit inside of you, though, Mark. I mean, I think that's the but fruit that of the Spirit. But does that keep you from dealing with problems the way you should deal with problems? If, if, if there's a problem and I'm not recognizing it as a problem, I worry about that. No, I mean, I think you exercise wisdom and discernment and you, you seek godly counsel. You pray and you seek the Lord, as Roy mentioned a moment ago, not just a little flippant prayer in the morning over a meal or at night, but just constantly throughout the day, you're abiding, you're praying, you're leaning on the Lord. And so, I mean, you exercise that godly wisdom and that discernment. And, and look, I'm just like you guys. I'm not any different than you guys. I, 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 I have hardships and challenges and difficulties, and I think even just this morning, I'm so blessed to hear you guys talk about um, looking at those roadblocks, speed bumps, potholes in the road as opportunities rather than obstacles. I think that's just a great word that we can all um, be encouraged by and, and move forward in our faith. Uh, and just the whole thing comes back to faith. And, and for me, I'm going to be 45 in a couple of weeks. I was talking to a buddy yesterday about uh, that's uh, going through some health challenges in his 50s, and I'm thinking, man, the 50s look a whole lot younger as I'm going to turn 45 here in a couple of weeks. They do. But but I think at, at every stage of life, we try to marginalize faith. We try to push faith out. I mean, you think about your business, your 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 family mark your your children roy i mean i i just think we try to control and manage and and plan and organize everything so much so that that faith muscle that you mentioned a moment ago roy can become anemic and atrophy because we're not utilizing it we we try to push faith to the side and and control and plan and so for me i my takeaway this morning what i'm excited about is Man, I want to exercise more faith. I want to trust God more. I want to um, ask God for bigger and more extraordinary opportunities in the days ahead. Yeah. You know, I would say, and it's on my wall at my office, it's the Lion Chasers Manifesto by Mark Batterson. And the opening line is, it's, it's not to, you know, the purpose of life is not to arrive safely at death, mm-hmm. right? It talks about yeah. taking great mm-hmm. risk. You know, have God-sized goals, yeah. And and I would really encourage every listener just to Google it, read it, and if that doesn't fire you up, then read it again. And then if it doesn't fire you up, then read it again. And if it doesn't fire you up, then read it again. And then yeah. if that doesn't fire you up, then check your pulse because I think something may be wrong with you because it should absolutely fire you up. And again, to going back to your problem question, no, I think when we have faith and we realize that God's in control, more times 
I can go conquer that problem. I can go seek. What's, what's the sin of a man? It's a lot of times it's passivity, right? We're too passive. We're too scared. So what I'm saying is, no, as a Christian, go, go head on into that problem. You've got God with you. He's working through you. Go right into that problem where a lot of times I know so many men, they run from the problem. Why? Because they think they've got to handle it all by themselves. Or they're afraid of or what afraid. lies on the other or side. Or they're afraid of yeah. what lies on the other side. And so that's where I think being rooted in your faith and knowing that God's in you, that's the that's the key difference between walking with the Lord and not. Okay, and you may we can edit this out if I get this wrong, and you may have already mentioned them. The the YouTube video of the guy with the balance beam. Yeah, Francis Chan. Is that exactly who it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which, which is a great I, I wish I could tell you exactly how to find this YouTube video. No, you just, Francis, Francis Chan. Francis Chan balance beam. It's got millions and millions of hits. And it is it is Anybody great. It's it. funny. It's entertaining, but it is way informative and it really makes you think and it's about living life safely. Yeah, and, and about the doing the opposite, about how everybody pushes towards safety rather than we don't migrate toward faith. We, safe is not fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fun for me. Our natural proclivity is to play it safe, yeah, and to do it um, the easy way. But listen, you are an athlete as well, not just a. a well, the older uh, a I get, the older I get, the better I was. Yeah, and in your early thirties, uh, Roy, you're not quite as fast as you are. I, I, I've heard a rumor that used to be called Rocket Roy, and um, had some speed. But uh, tell us about just some of your um, sports. Um, affinities, and you've got some some relationships with uh, some special guys. Uh, you've got some relationships with some pretty extraordinary leaders, and uh, one of them in particular out at Arizona State. I do. You know, I've, I'm so blessed and talk about how just God working in your life. So we, my dad was a, was a football coach uh, before getting the oil business. He actually coached um, football and baseball. My older brother was a video coordinator for the Mavericks for seven years or so in his 20s, and then obviously got into medical sales, as David and, and Mark know. Yep. Um, so I've just always grown up kind of with that coach's mentality with my, my dad always just, you know, it's tough it out. You know, I can remember when I was in high school, we played against Marco Martin, which he was the mesquite running back, some of you might remember, in 2001, that I think was about 6'4", you know, 295 pounds and I remember my mom all the moms were at the pep rally at the the game before and they were telling all their kids to be you know careful and I remember my mom telling me just go cut them at the knees right (laughs) you know don't don't avoid it go cut them at the knees that's you know that's 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 not running away from risk kind of going full circle but I had the great fortune of playing under Todd Graham um and then at Allen High School, at Allen High School, and he's now at Arizona State. And I think Arizona State's going to have a great year this year. I think what Todd Graham has done uh, there has been remarkable. He's had a, a tough couple of seasons, but you know what? That's what we were talking about. It's setbacks. It's it's God's poison him for something great. Um, yep. But I just was able to be under Todd Graham's leadership. And then the funny thing is, we have a we have a chapel one day, and uh, in strolls Doctor Jack Graham. So. Uh, there's no relation. I know Coach Graham likes to joke that he's his younger brother, but there, there's actually there actually is no relation. And yeah. I was I was great friends with Coach Graham's son, Bo Graham, which is a he's a great guy. He's got a great heart. We've known each other since we were 12 years old, yeah. 12, 13 years old, working out in a little dinky weight room at Allen High School. And then Josh Graham and I have have been friends. 
pastor's son. Yeah, and pastor uh, and, and, and Coach Graham. Pastor and Coach Graham are fiery. Yeah, I mean, fiery, fiery, love sports, love the Lord, but no relationship. No relationship. Love Family, the Lord. I mean. Yeah, they're, you know. And so to be at Allen High School, to be in middle school and high school, and to be under what I would say are two of the finest leaders that I've ever seen, hmm. uh, to be able to have that opportunity is an absolute blessing and has absolutely molded me. Um, into the man that I am, right? Yeah. You've got your parents that mold you, and my parents did a remarkable job. I mean, some people might question that when they meet me. I mean, David, I think I've, I've, I've somewhat yeah, parents, turned out. I'd give your parents a B, a B, B plus. B, B plus. Sure. You know, you know it's, it's like my older brother always you says. you sitting here, I'll give him an A. You, yeah, and, and my older brother always says, I'm one of three kids, you know, hitting you know hitting 300 will get you in the hall of fame and he he claims himself the only one to actually turn out successful yeah. uh, but no i was just so blessed to be under great leaders and i still stay in touch with those guys you know to this day um it's, it's not uncommon for us to text and talk and see each other in fact we always make a special trip out in the fall every year which we're going to do this year to see usc um and it's just it's been only way I can say it is a blessing to have such great Christian men that are strong leaders in my life. And it also makes me think about what am I doing to pe- for people behind me? How am I leading others? Am I leading them in the right way? And I know how I talk about Coach Graham and Dr. Graham and the impact they've had in my life. I really hope that the guys that are working for me and the girls that are working for me one day we'll say those same things that really had a profound impact in my life. And I think you've got to look at things, you know, a lot of times in business, we look at an IRR, what's the internal rate of return. But I think so many times we need to look at the ERR, what's the eternal rate of return. And I think when you shift your mind from not just an IRR, but to an ERR, an internal rate of return, yeah. it changes. It goes back to changing our perspective. And so that's what I'm striving to do today is, you know, abide in God, seek God, surrender all to God, and then make sure with people that he puts in my path that they're there for a reason and that um, I'm leading them in the same way the leaders have led me. Similar to what you're doing, you know, what what David's done in my life and what other great leaders have done in my life. Man, that encourages me. I mean, I know I can fully agree uh, with you, Roy, that there have been godly men that God has placed in my life that have made a huge difference. And I love your, um, I love that observation about an ERR that you really invest your life in the things that are eternal, that are going to last forever. Your relationship with the Lord, his word and the souls of men and women. If you do that impacting people's lives, uh, it'll be invested and it'll count. Uh, you, it'll count. Absolutely unequivocally uh, for all of eternity not just this little life here and now thanks so much for coming no hey thanks for having me